It's tough being a teen, but it's even tougher when you're saving the world and still have to be home in time to finish your algebra homework. On today's episode, Charlie wonders why Carolina's mom is so terrible. Mikey cuts Chase some well-deserved slack, and we realize that parents really just don't understand. And welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast about teen superhero teams and why we love them. My name is Charlie, and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. And today, this is episode 12. I don't know why I said today, like I was going to say something extra important. (laughs) Well, today we do have a guest. Yes, we do. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, I'm David Collins. Everyone calls me DC. I use he, him pronouns. Well, welcome, DC, to our lovely podcast. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you. I've been really excited for this. I am super glad to be here because I love Runaways. Yeah, you were making uh, like Runaways Dungeons and Dragons adventure, right? Yeah, I should finish that. Um, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's okay. I have a graveyard of like half-finished projects in my Google Docs. I had to organize them because they were getting unwieldy and they were like, I was looking at all of them the other day and I was like, oh, I should finish this someday. Yes, I am exactly the same way. There's stacks and stacks. Yeah, we um, we are going to come back to the runaways after having a bonus episode uh, last week. But I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that we're back on track with the runaways because we have a lot of material to cover, honestly. You say that like this is a syllabus, like um, we're um, a week behind schedule. We have an exam next week, but I'm going to have to drop off the part about uh, Alex Wilder <laughs> and his parents, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll only have a couple questions on that. Like, <laughs> no, I hope there won't be a test at the end of this episode. No, it's not like a syllabus. It's just like there were only 12 issues of the of Young Avengers. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's a lot more Runaways. Yeah, there are only 12 issues so. of Young Avengers, at least the first volume, so, not counting like anything else. So I'm like looking at this there's, reading list and I'm like, there's a, there's a lot of this. Yeah, there's some stuff in Young Avengers that happened after the first volume that I'd rather not remember happened. Yeah, well, it happened. Because <laughs> there was some really bad stuff. Yeah. There's some stuff in the main book that I'd rather not remember happened, but we got through it. Yeah, but... We're going to have to go through that, too, Mikey. So just saying, just saying uh, part of the canon. OK, we have to get there. But the Young Masters mini is it's so much. It is. Dark Rain is also a lot. Uh, so is Secret Invasion. It's all of it's a whole uh, lot. Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. I literally I did not read it. I read like summaries people posted on message boards because i could not bring myself to read about it like when i learned i don't know if you know that much about secret invasion dc but wasn't there like an old one and a newer one because i remember um, there being a secret invasion during uh what it was after house of m with the whole avengers thing going on 
Yeah. Yeah. It's when the and then, like, yeah, it's when the scrolls um like infiltrated the ranks of the superheroes and Yeah. Yeah. And they found like a bunch of like missing superheroes at the end, which was a really good way to like retcon a bunch of stuff. And then they also found Elvis. Like the scrolls had stolen Elvis and put a scroll as an Elvis impersonator. Oh my god. Like a literal Elvis impersonator. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it it was really, it was a lot. It yeah. was, uh, there were parts that were very much not good. But <laughs> anyway, that's not what this podcast is about, thankfully. Not right Thank now. It, not right now, at least. Uh, that's that's the horrors yet to come. Um, Maybe it'll just be twenty minutes of me just screaming ex in existential horror about. <laughs> No, no. It wasn't all bad, but it was no. it was really the scroll are just goofy. They are, but I mean that's they haven't been around for a while. Like actually around for a while in comics. Well, so not, yeah. I mean not, I mean take it or leave it. Scrolls scroll scrolls aside, how are you, Mikey? I am good. I was really busy this past week. Didn't didn't get much done. I like I'm really sad because I'd been reading this really, really good book trilogy. Um, but I had to put that on hold because I like haven't had time to read it before I've gone to bed like I'm supposed to. I've just like thrown myself into bed. I'm reading the Broken Earth trilogy, um, which was recommended to me by my good friend Nadja, um, Trist underscore Chi on Twitter. And it's a really good and refreshing like fantasy book. And I really want to get back to it, but I haven't had time because both due to work and then streaming and having technical difficulties for like two hours. So that's that was my week. Didn't you <laughs> recommend that book series to me recently? I think so. I've been recommending it to everyone okay. because it's really good, in my opinion, um, because like it's not... It's not like traditional fantasy, like swords and sorcery. It's like, what yeah. if we had a fantastic world? Like, N.K. Jemison does like a really good job of world building mm -hmm. and like creating her own like original world. They're basically the the like people that have powers in that world are basically like mutants from X Men. Yes, it's like, what if? Everyone was a mutant from X-Men, but also like they're like a cross between mutants and Jedi and they can hurl rocks at people or cause earthquakes. They can all do that? Uh, yeah, to varying degrees. Like That's weird. Yeah. And it's kind of like, how do normal people react to that kind of thing? And like, it's a Poorly, really... as we all know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... It sounds very up my alley. Yeah, no, it's super good. That's why, like, I don't want to pitch too much because I don't want to, like, spoil things for people because part of the fun is, like, figuring out what the hell is going on from, like, first-person accounts, like, you on the ground, you know. It's actually, some of the narrative's actually written in, like, second-person kind of because you're, like, following this one character and it reacting to things as she does and... I don't normally like second person because I usually find it like really odd, but it works really well in this book and probably might be the only thing that I've read that works well in second person. So if nothing else, I recommend it for that alone. It sounds like uh, Marvels. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. No, a little bit. I, I, fi I find second person to be very good when someone can do it right. Um, otherwise, 
I mean, that's like with everything, right? It's good if you do it right. If you sort of, if it's good, if it's good, sometimes it's not. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, as a very generalized statement I just made, but. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to admit I'm most familiar with the second person and like really terrible fan fiction. So maybe that's not a metric that I. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's par for the course. People are experimenting. Let them experiment, Mikey. That that's true. I'm not shaming fan fiction. I'm just I've read some truly terrible stuff written in the second person. I mean, haven't we all? Come on. That's <laughs> right. kind of like a trial by fire type of thing. Yeah. Is there um so that's my week. Uh is there any more Shatterstar news, Charlie? I mean, not new Shatterstar news. Um, other than people like coming people like I guess on Tumblr and whatnot being like hey shatterstar is great i've just started reading all this stuff and i'm like you don't come near my stuff please get out of of here like i know that sounds mean and bad but like i'm just i i've lived in this like cave for a long time and lots of people are like knocking on my door and i need to like need them to go away (laughs) um (laughs) but uh i was going back through um some mid to late issues of x-force this weekend because i was trying to find like a picture for you specifically and then i was like oh i i'm gonna look at all this stuff and then i just started reading back through and there's some like for as much as the middle of that series isn't the greatest thing there are some like really like funny and good and one-off stories and like some really like good quiet character moments within like everything that's going on and i don't know it i've been enjoying it because there's like also lots of rad art that i just like didn't either pick up on the first time or really have a chance to look at um also the letters columns from these old issues are like very good who was writing the stuff that you were reading um jeff Loeb was writing a a big portion of the middle of x force and then um john francis moore was writing some of the later stuff but um just i don't know for going from a book that was mostly about like how extreme these characters could be like how violent and all this stuff like when the book first started to like actually growing into like let's talk about our feelings and like the different paths the characters go down it it's it's just good like there's a there's a x-force story where they get transported back into the past while they're trying to like do something in dr doom's castle and they fight nazis it's very good it's just like a very silly story that's also very good and i don't know it's entertaining yeah i mean fighting nazis is always gets an a plus for me but jeff Loeb's writing in like the mid 90s to like early 2000s is really like when he hit his stride i feel like like, there's a lot of good stuff that he wrote at that time, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's hit or miss. Like I said, it's not all great. And there are some extremely incoherent stories in the middle of that book. But I don't know. I always look for, like, n- nice character moments. And, like, Shatterstar and, and uh, Terry Siren have a lot of, like, cute moments just being friends. Because they're both, like, dealing with this romantic or non-romantic feelings they have towards their teammates. And they like talk to each other about it. And it's, I don't know, it's really good. Like, and you don't see see that a lot. And you don't see certainly people picking up on those threads like years later. 
because in the book that they were in together, they just decided to make them like seem like they'd never met ever at all before ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to get <laughs> into not, I could Let's <laughs> not. But speaking of speaking of romantic attractions or not, I know there was like one letter in particular that you were laughing about. Yeah, so I had seen and I'd known this was this existed for a while. Um but I had seen in the letters columns of one of the issues where somebody like called the Marvel out basically and was like, "Hey, you know, Shatterstar's having such a hard time since Richter left. You know, do you think maybe that there's something between them romantically it'd be pretty cool to have a gay superhero because there aren't many of them that's really what the letter boiled down to and they came back and were like well that's an interesting take on Shatterstar and Richter's friendship but as far as we can see it there aren't any sexual undertones to it like oh yeah basically saying that you know this is what this basically is just, no homo yeah exactly this is what you do when you miss a good friend right this is this you you pine after them at long after they've already left you yeah that's exactly what happens when guys are being guys totally um and i don't know i just really hope that uh roland lumen from the netherlands who wrote this letter like was still reading comics in 2009 to see them finally kiss on page well, like so like i remember people full circle yeah exactly exactly i really want to know if he was still reading comics at that point <laughs> i feel like like when i i saw the the post on i used to be part of this comics community on live journal back when that was still a thing called scans daily and my i remember i think like my friend sent me the page of like hey marvel just had their first on panel uh, male male kiss like that was a big deal and i looked at it and there were i remember people commenting being like i've known that they were gay since like 1995 <laughs> so i feel like there's definitely those people like i i feel like people are like oh good they finally confirmed it because yeah some of the stuff is like the staring wistfully it's like all the people that try to say that like uh like historical figures throughout um, history were like these guys, these two guys are just friends that happen to sleep in the same bed together yeah. night after night. And they had like secret tunnels between their rooms. Like They were just friends. Like, and like this guy's being dudes. Uh, 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 like how could I, I'm not sure how you could misconstrue what was going on between Richter and Shatterstar. Like how you could just, pretend like you didn't see it happening because it's like so obvious and like especially like they go to a nightclub together and they dance not together but Shatterstar like has these weird feelings when he sees Richter like dancing with a woman <laughs> and he like goes outside and goes and stands outside and then Rick comes out to talk to him about it and he's like you know what's going on and he's like I don't know what's going on like I've never felt these things before and he's like what do you mean and then they get interrupted by the rest of the team. So they never finish that conversation. And then the issue and the issue after that, Rick leaves the team. So, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it is like part of it is even in comics, like male friendships are never allowed to have. Because I think you can have like 
two guys can have like tender and good friendships without it being a relationship. But the problem is like, especially in comics, like we're never allowed to see that because everything has to be about machismo and like, oh, we're we are fighting together. We're blood brothers. And it's like nobody can just sit down and like have a talk about their feelings. Yeah. Because I think like there's a place for that even without gay relationships. Like, absolutely. We need more gay superheroes. But also, like, it's okay for dudes to talk about their feelings. There's the classic uh, Wolverine panel that comes up a lot when, um, I forget who it was. Maybe it was Rogue, but I don't think so. Who was like, hey, uh, can I help? And he he was like, oh, are you a beer? Oh, it's Kitty. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's Kitty. That's from Astonishing. Yeah. 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 It's like. You know, Wolverine probably would want to talk about his feelings every now and again, being that, you know, you've been around that long, really think that, like, as men, our ultimate form of, hey, I've been alive for however many hundreds of years, I just never talk about my feelings is, like, a standard. Yeah. yeah. And, like, no. especially that, because I, 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 I kind of, like, mix that up, because that's right after, like, Kitty gets lost in space. Like, mm. Yeah, Joss Whedon's writing that, right? Yeah, everybody thinks she's dead. Like, er- like everybody thinks she's dead for the most part. And, like, he obviously really cares about Kitty. And, yeah, nah, no, that's, that's like, kind of iconic, but also, like, eh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, knowing now what we know about Joss Whedon, it's also, like, brings that into perspective, too, I think, a little bit. Like, yeah. so... Yeah, I mean, say say what you will about Joss Whedon. That that run of Astonishing X Men is formative for a lot of individuals. Oh no, absolutely. And I th- and I and I think it's absolutely spectacular. Like to be quite honest. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad run. Like, there's a lot to like in that run, but I'm just saying in particular, like Joss Whedon might have might feel a way about like how you know guys are supposed to act and be that you know maybe isn't great that's that's all i'm saying with that because i was actually gonna say like there's a couple times that i can i can't think of like any panel specifically but i feel like wolverine and like captain america are the two guys that are allowed to talk about their feelings like at all ever in like the big comics pantheon like sometimes they have moments where they talk about it and i guess hawkeye too but that's more Matt Fraction writing, like... Real characters. And being honest. Yeah. 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 Real characters who are depressed and de- need to deal with that. Um, and even then, Clint spends, like, a good portion of that run not talking to anyone about anything and almost ruins his life forever. So, yeah. you know. That we would add Spider-Man into talking about your feelings. True. That I is agree. true. Yeah. Also, think- yeah. Som- also, sometimes Daredevil? Yeah. But that's all, he also has a lot of Catholic guilt. Like I was talking with a friend about that this week, about how like season one of Daredevil, like there's some parts that are not great and some parts that are better than others. But part of what makes that good is really focusing and honing in on like Matt feeling this like this need to protect these people that maybe don't even want his help anyway. But like it's he's pursuing like a holy mission almost yeah like the worst paladin ever (laughs) (laughs) i mean that um but it's like in a nutshell yeah like no one ever asked you for help but yet you feel like you need to like you have a mission and you're honor bound to help these people or like god will torment your soul it's 
you know, like I it's something that having grown up Catholic, like I definitely empathize with a lot. It's just like dare I do think Daredevil is best when you turn that knob, the Catholic knob up to 11. So I did actually like Daredevil a lot. Um, I haven't watched the second season, though, because I was like, just I mean, kinda, eh. sometimes you, I, I mean, I've gotten a little bit of fatigue from Netflix Marvel shows, at least. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely understand. But since the last 20 minutes talking about things that aren't the runaways. Well, I wanted to ask, see if DC had anything <laughs> that he wanted to talk about from his yes, week. Please, please tell us. Um, I had a really good chicken salad sandwich. Excellent. Uh, oh, that kidding. sounds good. Um, hey, I'm I'm into it. No, uh, this week um, I've been watching some Blades in the Dark um, vodcasts, which has been really cool. Um, and I've been playing a lot of Slay the Spire, which is a highly recommended game, in my opinion. To go play that game. Yeah, I've seen I've seen people talk about it. It's like a deck building game, right? Yeah, like a like you build your deck a very very good one um it's it has a really really simple premise where um there's just like this giant tower and you are your character and um you have like attack cards and defense cards and it's just like hey go kill the monsters and uh keep climbing this spire thing and here's um like the basic mana um land whatever you want to call it mechanic is in there mm-hmm. really easy to pick up and really easy to get into there's a lot of depth in the game too which i think is what really attracts people is that it ramps up very quickly based on you rather than the game itself like the game doesn't change that much right you're just like oh maybe if i do this and this and that or like i can try to exploit this one bonus or feature of a card or like a relic that you get in the game and it's addicting (laughs) yeah it's like a learning through failure kind of thing right yeah super at first like i think the first couple of runs that just about anybody has you're just getting a feel for things and then you have these enlightened moments where you're like wait if i do this and this and that together all of a sudden i'm much better at this game and then there's more avenues instead of like a a uh skill ceiling or something like that yeah it's also attractive because you don't have to pay real money for the card yes which is like a thing in both magic and as i understand it hearthstone because you have to pay to unlock packs in hearthstone also so bad um the game's in early access and um it costs 16 dollars right now and there haven't been any like Hey, we're in early access, so we're going to make you pay additional things, or here's some skins, or you know, no loot boxes, anything like that. You just unlock things by playing the game, which really shouldn't be like a thing that you have to mention these days. But uh, I guess it's a thing you have to mention these days. It, it absolutely is a <laughs> yeah. thing you have to mention. Yeah. You know, I will be honest, like games that have dlc that's just like a chunk like i was really into curse of the necro dancer for a while which is like a rhythm game roguelike where it's a dungeon crawler but you can only move on every beat of the song 
And I went out and bought the DLC for that because it's like you get one chunk of the game and it's like, do you want more discrete content? But you're not it's not like every little thing they're charging you for. And like, I can respect that more than like. Yeah, boxes page. Yeah, that's part of why I stopped playing Overwatch, because like every time they would have a new thing come out, it would be like oh shiny and you have to get everything and that mentality can be really dangerous and bad so you know like just cold turkeying it and being like no i'm only gonna play games where like that's not the case is like been way better for me because then even if like i don't have the money it's like you're missing out which is a shitty thing to do to someone that's playing your game yeah, no, I agree in regards to Overwatch as far as that's concerned. So some people come people come back to the game when there's new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and you don't get like it's a fluctuating player base, which is also kind of weird and not good. Yeah. So anyway, uh, loot box is bad. <laughs> Runaways good. Maybe good. <laughs> I hope they're good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I I do like the Runaways. No, it's good. I, I like I say I'm I'm experiencing some um tonal whiplash, I think, from going and reading these issues and then we watched a little bit more Runaways TV show last night. Oh boy. So, yeah, I'm experiencing some extreme tonal whip like tonal whiplash as far as it's, this is concerned. Yeah. Um especially in regards to the parents. Yeah, there's... Yeah. Just for those that haven't had the chance to watch the show yet, I got an email. I don't know if it's for everyone, but I got an email that Hulu's doing a free month and they just added a bunch more shows. So hopefully if you like go and sign up for like the free trial, it'll give you a free month and you could watch like all of Runaways is out on Hulu now. So I think they do make you put a credit card down, but it's it's there as long as you cancel your free trial. So that's something. Cancel it later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It makes that a reminder to cancel it on a certain day. I put it on my Google calendar, like every time I do something like that. <laughs> Not that I do it that often. Anyone that's listening. <laughs> it's okay. It's super crazy that Runaways, the comic, came out in 2003. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the show is like, hey, it's 2017. Like the amount of, of change that not only happened but like kind of had to happen to a degree yeah yeah um some of which didn't but definitely a lot that was like hey well it's a completely different time for teenagers it's it's interesting to see how the dynamics have shifted yeah i've been watching uh twin peaks the return like slowly chipping away at that and like that's one thing where like the original came out in 1990 like literally 1990 and then they filmed you know the return in 2015 and I was really apprehensive about how technology would be used to like bridge that gap or like whether they just stay away from it. But it's actually been really good. Like having people be able to have cell phone conversations and be in totally different places works really well. And then what's really cool is like there was there have been a couple actors who have been like sick or had Alzheimer's or something where they can't make it on set. But like there's one episode where it's like, oh, we're literally going to Skype this guy in. But it's literally like they're using Skype because he's at his home, which is really cool and something that like I'd like to see shows use more of technology in like a way 
that makes sense for them. Yeah. It's it's really cool. Like it's it's it feels good. It doesn't feel like schlocky or anything. Something that I wanna um bring up about the comic and that's different in the show, but no spoilers, um, is how um in these early issues of Runaways, uh they say that Alex is a strategic and like uh like tactical mastermind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how in the show it translates to him being like more into technology and like a mechanical understanding, mm-hmm. which uh, it's just kind of like a, an interesting commentary to be like, well, to be like, oh, I'm a strategic mastermind doesn't really uh, communicate well nowadays without having some connection to technology, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And they like they show him playing a lot of games in the the show. Yeah. But also like in a show that where you're constantly moving and changing location, you can't really be like, oh, this kid plays a lot of like league. Let's show him playing <laughs> league, which would be like today's equivalent, I feel like, to, you know, like an MMO. Yeah. Where you're coordinating raids. I mean, you still do that in MMOs, I guess. But like it doesn't directly translate in terms of cultural consciousness anymore. It's weird to think that MMOs are more of a niche thing now, maybe, than they were back in 2003. Plays a lot of StarCraft, Mikey. A lot of StarCraft. Well, like, not even that. (laughs) Like, the kids are playing, like, the kids. Like, people play, like, LOL and Dota and, you know, MOBAs and stuff today. Like, that's the big thing. Oh, I know. I don't know anything about those things, but I know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know the lingo. Do I know, like, what's really going on there? Not really. Well, maybe you could watch, like, a commentated, like, esports match. That's all right. And they'll teach you. Thanks, though. No, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess Overwatch kind of also, but... I, there's less strategy, I think, involved in Overwatch no. than skill. There's, there's a lot less strategy involved in Overwatch. It's called make sure that your team is well balanced. Everybody listens. Get on the point. And you do, and get on the payload or the point. There you go. Don't step off the of end. it. Why are you doing that? Oh, no. That's usually my experience <laughs> with Overwatch. Yeah. Or, hey, we have a healer. Let's protect her. Okay, no, I guess not. All right. All right. <laughs> rip, rip. Mercy, bye. Um, but this is not an Overwatch commentary podcast. Sorry. <laughs> no. Although you know, it, it's all connected. It's all connected. It is. Hashtag. It's all like, connected. Alex would definitely be a Mercy main. Oh my god. <laughs> we probably spend the. He'd be an extremely salty Mercy main. Oh, isn't all? Aren't all Mercy mains extremely salty? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 God, now I'm just thinking about everybody else. I mean, either for good reason or bad reason. It's like either your team is not protecting you or they are and they're not doing good enough for you. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Chase, I think, would be Junkrat. Oh my God, 100%. <laughs> A Junkrat main. 100%. <laughs> Molly would probably be Winston or Orisa, but she's or less. Oh, Roadhog's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, no. Molly would just be like, oh, I get to just grab people. That's that's true. <laughs> that that's seems true. very cool. <laughs> I guess Gert, I feel like I don't know who Gert would be. Nico might be a Mora now or Sombra. Or maybe a Reaper. Or maybe oh yeah. No, she <laughs> she she would tell people that she mained like Sombra or someone else, like someone cool, but she actually like is a Reaper main, main. actually. She would actually be a good Reaper though. Like, main, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I actually think that Gert would go for um 
uh, why am I blanking on all of the names of all the Overwatch characters right now? Uh, Symmetra. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that, and her turrets could be old lace. That would be cute. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> um, this is very good. Um, we need to do this more. <laughs> What like <laughs> what mapping? Overwatch characters with these? <laughs> yeah, what Overwatch characters would all these would all these uh comic book characters be? Yeah, it's, good. it's like I know we're not talking X Men, but um I would love to see I'd love to see Scott go um Soldier seventy six because <laughs> <laughs> he's like he has a visor, I have a visor. visor. Yeah, no, he does that, and then Cable walks up behind him and is just like, what are you doing? See, see, I always thought that Cable was soldier, supposed to be Soldier 76, but I see so much art of people drawing, like, Cyclops as Soldier 76, and I'm like, I don't know. I okay, don't know. you know the... You know the, like, what your mom thinks you are, and then, like, what others see you as? <laughs> like, Scott... Scott sees himself as Soldier 76, right? But, like, no one else sees himself as that. But also, I don't think that Cable... Like, Cable actually is Soldier 76, so he wouldn't want to play that. Because, like, you want to play something different than what you do in your everyday life. That's true. Would Cable be, like, a Widow main? Nah, dude. He'd play, like, D.Va or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. He'd be like, no one expects this because I look all gruff and and tough and everything, but he just loves playing D.Va. (laughs) D.Va. Strictly mechanical reasons. Or, or May, <laughs> just going in and causing havoc. Yeah. Oh my god, this is... Okay. I don't know who Carolina would be, though. <sighs> Maybe she'd be a diva. I feel like... I feel like we'd get some May, or or Farrah, even. Farrah was... Farrah, yeah, yeah Farrah's a, a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Go for the she does like to blast people once she gets the hang of things. Yeah, we we could do this. We could probably do this forever. So, um, <laughs> uh, moving on, Mikey, would you like to tell us all about the people who craft crafted this fine issue number five for us today? Uh, well, Jeff Kaplan, no, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, Jeff, no, Jeff, bad. Jeff does not write uh, Marvel comics. He does not even write the Overwatch comics. Um, so. Today in uh, Runaways number five, our writer once again is Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, pencils again by Adrian Alfona, inks by David Newbold, and colors by Brian Reber. Uh, so same as last week. And for the cover, we've got a cover of Chase uh, by Joe Chen, once again, um, with his fistigons, which like he's holding in like this pose and there's some like energy coming off of them. But the the glow is like a different color than it is in the main pages, which they, I found was really weird. They also look a little more like actual robot hands. Yeah. Which interesting. Yeah, because it's weird. They're like the um like how cosplayers do like their mechanical hands. Mm-hmm. It's like hands that like it's more of an exoskeleton than like you put your yeah, hands than, from like, it. gauntlets. Yeah. 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 But he's got that and his visors on. His goggles, it's not a visor, it's goggles. It's x-ray goggles, yeah. They're, yeah. like, completely useless, probably. Yes, but have X's on them. So, I mean, if you get, if you can wear goggles, I guess go for it. Yeah, live your best life. <laughs> Chase is trying to live his best life, I guess. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get more into that in <laughs> these issues, what Chase's best life is. <laughs> but we open up. With where we left off last time, which is right after Gert's mom makes a phone call to her telling her that they are going to kill Molly if they don't comply, which means we're standing over Molly's bed, all the parents, not all of them, but uh, 
their her parents and the Yorks, and Molly's all tucked in with her dupe plushie inside the bed. And we learned that apparently, so they've told her that she'll be executed if they if the kids don't come and like basically throw down their weapons. But apparently, it was all a bluff, or they say it's a bluff. Yeah. Um, even though someone's holding a, uh, well, Chase's dad is holding a samurai axe from yeah. an alternate dimension. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that too. Uh, basically, you know, from an alternate future. So that's, um, all right, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is it Chase's dad or Gert's dad? Oh, that's Gert's like, dad. I can't that's keep... Gert's dad. Yeah, I can't. I honest to God can't keep them straight because uh, Chase's dad has headgear that he wears that's very similar. And they're yeah. like in the dark. Yeah. So no, it's 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 the Yorks and the uh and the, the hazes, hazes are over here, yeah. So Molly's dad also says Dr. Mr. Hayes <laughs> says that she's being telepathically sedated and it's usually pretty effective, which is a phrase that I normally only hear referring to like Pokemon. Like <laughs> Are they, like, ex psychically experimenting on their daughter? Like, hmm, maybe if I hold my hand, like, does this mean it's failed before? I'm so, I have so many questions. How many times have they done this, I guess, is what we're supposed to take away from that statement. <sighs> yeah. I wonder if it's, like, in reference to other people as well. Mm, yeah. Oh, good point. If they're like, well, some people have broken out before, or, like, maybe. Or that's how they get their victims. Ooh, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, to, to you know, because in the show they have like the cult, but in this there's no like overarching structure like that. They just find people on the street and I guess probably then hypnotize them to come with yeah. them, or just kidnap them in general. Yeah, yeah, and it's they're kind of just all hanging out and having this conversation about how they they don't want to have to do anything, and then the, as they're having this conversation, Molly starts to wake up. Yeah. And ugh. I forgot how gross Molly's parents actually are. Like, I forgot yeah. about them because they're like, they weren't the ones that like stuck in my brain from all those years ago. But they're like, like Molly's like, mom, I need to tell you something. I don't feel good. And she's just like, go to bed, sweetie. Mommy's busy. Which is <laughs> like, oh, they're terrible people. I mean, they're all terrible pe parents. Yes. But like. It's it's not great. It's not a great look. So this is this, by the way, is happening at five forty three a.m. And there's also at five forty three a.m. The rest of the crew is at a roadside rest stop, which is closed for repairs. It's Tommy's, yeah, it's Tommy's roadside rest stop. <laughs> I, we see like the old lace is basically taking up the whole back of the panel van so i don't know how they're fitting kids in there like she's like crunched up in this little ball because they're trying to put she's not like a small raptor like she's it's quite large bigger than a human yeah i just old lace like always looks slightly distressed and it's really funny to me for some reason I mean, I think just not knowing ever what's really going on until somebody says attack. Yeah, <laughs> you're just like, okay. that'll yeah. that'll do it every time. But they're all having an argument about what they need to do because it clearly it's not clear enough. But Chase, uh, Chase basically says that they need to go hi in hiding like Saddam. Chase, stop. Just stop. Ugh. Just stop, Chase, like please. Uh, he's so obsessed with terrorists. It's like kind of gross in like retrospect. 
Like, I know that I say that Chase isn't that bad, but like the constant like terrorism references are starting to grate on me, I will admit. Like, it's it's not great. No, I guess it's but... also was in 2003. So it's like, hey, Chase, uh, why did you look up, you know, the weirdo hideout or why do you have this completely white man? And he's like, because you can never find white vans after shootings. Oh, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, please stop. Yeah. Hey, Chase. <laughs> like, are you reading like uh, how to be an axe murderer also mm-hmm. is like a fun uh, summer read? Like, I'm come sure. on. But, you know, Alex feels guilty. And, like, it's his fault that Molly is kind of captured because he was the one that was insisting that she be left out of this, which, I mean, he kind of has a point, but it's still not really his fault, but he kind of has a point. Yeah, I also kind of have to wonder here, like, just as we see Alex developing, like, there, I do wonder, like, how much, like, I think he does care about Molly, but it's also, like, I think he's the kind of person that in the back of his brain, it's always, like, okay, but I'm also really upset because they outsmarted me or, like, outplayed me. So, like, that part of his brain, I feel like, is ticking, too, of, like, okay, how can I how can I get back on top, kind of? Yeah. So, because we see that happening, too, is, like, because the group is kind of ready to just, you know, give up, and he's, like, trying to subtly convince them not to. And, the master tactician at work. Yeah. yeah. No, he's he he definitely has this drive pushing him forward, which is you know why he like why he you know pushes the the rest of the kids to do everything. But Chase realizes that his fistigons can shoot fire. Yeah, because he accidentally like sets himself on fire almost yeah, there. Bit. Yeah, Alex is also like because the thing he's also doing is like you don't I'm going you don't have to come with me but I'm going so you know I'm not gonna tell you to do that which is like the way that you get someone to do something something? (laughs) without like explicitly saying you need to come with me yeah and you know they say you know he says if they plan right then they can take down their parents and make sure that Molly's safe and then we cut back to the Hayes residence where Carolina's mom has shown up in completely ridiculous outfit. It's she's got like a yellow rain jacket on over her like alien uniform. And she took a shuttlecraft from New York to California. Whatever that means. Yeah. She Is that also, like a Fantastic Four reference or something? I I think it's just like I assume they have a ship. Somewhere. Um yeah, somewhere because we don't know too much about them yet. Uh, but I know that they have a ship of some variety or other. So I'm assuming that they just flew because they talk about they were having like an intergalactic arms deal uh, with a scroll. And she does say something kind of funny. She's like a scroll. I think they all look the same to me, which, you know, scroll well, yeah. do literally all look the same, mostly unless they have like weird <laughs> hair growing. True. I mean, some of them have, like, facial hair, like, long hair, which looks very strange on scrolls, to be honest. Um, but <laughs> Carolina's mom is wearing this, like, do- looks like a dominatrix outfit. Yeah, it's really weird. And it's got, like, this weird green mask on it, too. Yeah. Um, And she also says, because they're, like, uh, talking about, you know, the kids having attacked them and people not picking up their phones and Car- she says, please, Carolina doesn't have the spine for a fight, which is just like, wow. 
Yeah. Rude. Carolina's mom is very rude. Yeah, she's she's very bad. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of gross. Yeah, so across the street, this is like an hour after it's 6.26 a.m. Um, this is, I think eventually we get away from like the 24 structure, but right now we're still very much in it. <laughs> Ticket clock. Yeah, no, I mean, it literally is. Yeah, no, so, exactly. Uh, we learn that uh, Alex has a Delta team, so Alpha, Beta, and Delta team that he's assembled of the kids, uh, broken them up into groups of two, and they're each going to, like, take on separate portions of the parents. But also, he's killing the ra- the battery of the two-way radio. <laughs> <laughs> he is... So... And Chase says, can you knock off your lame role-playing already and do this? And he is kind of, like, treating it kind of like a raid. It's like, okay, you two are, you know, you're doing this thing. You just sit there, and when the flower opens, you get it and bring it back. And, like, you two are up top, like, which is, again, like... Not bad strategy. Well, right, but, like, the only analogous thing to that now would be, like, you're in this lane, you're in mid, you're in top... Like or or like a destiny raid, like yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I talked about destiny raids a lot last weekend with our friend Gio, and I'm so mad about destiny too. But I'm not gonna. Get it. <laughs> Alex would be too. Yeah, yeah, no. Big <laughs> yeah, mood. you're right, right. You're you're absolutely right. He would have played destiny too and been really mad about Bungie, what Bungie did, uh, <laughs> justifiably so. Um. I think the way that he behaves in this particular part when Chase is like, look, dude, you're you're talking too much that it kind of pulls back to what you were saying about he kind of has this obsession about everything going super right this time because they lost last time. Yeah. And yeah. It's like a rematch. Yeah. And he's like, this has to go perfectly. So everyone needs to know exactly what they need to do. And for him, it really sucks because this is all he can really do up to this point because as they said a couple pages ago he doesn't have any powers like everyone needs to do what he says just right um because that's the only way that he can actually yeah participate. it's the only sense of control he has over the situation yeah yeah because otherwise he just kind of has to sit back and watch like he's the you know he's the oracle or the eyes in the sky almost but he he is participating just he can't do anything special and nico's worried that they won't live through it and we learn that she thinks about death a lot and that she's surprised that she lives this long because she's like, I don't think I'm immortal. Like, te- you know, everyone says that teens think they're immortal. Alex says he knows exactly what she means. So, you know, they kind of have this moment and kiss. Nico just leans in and kisses him in front of this panel van in the middle of the street. <laughs> yeah it you know and alex asks like why she did that and she says i don't know but i do know talking about it will just ruin it and that's it so and they move on to phase one which uh, to be fair like the thing alex says right before they kiss is that you know everything's really screwed up and he just wants to like it goes back to what you said dc like he talks about like there's nothing anyone our age can do about it so, like, he wants to, like, affect some chains on some level and, you know, sees taking out his parents as the evil in the world is the way to do it, I guess. Um, which, you know, it's not a bad way of doing it. No. Considering. It's kind of it's kind of timely, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. So they go to ring the door and 
you know, the doctor, Mr. Hayes, opens the door. <laughs> and, well, okay, so they're doctor and Dr. Hayes. Like, I have to looks, Okay, I figured it out. I figured it out. I figured it out. Their outfits look especially bad because they look like they're from Naruto. You're right. Oh, God. <laughs> Shit. It looks like they're I'll- a ninja clan from Naruto. They do. Yeah. So I also figured out, like, this is all the parents are extremely, like, bad cosplayers. Like, they just they just decided that they wanted to cosplay as villains and did what they thought would be the best. <laughs> I mean, obviously, they wanted to do bad things, but they're all like, well, I guess we're evil. Like, we need costumes, right? And just thought what they put, like, put on what they thought a cool badass would wear. <laughs> Which it does feel like that. Not a not a cool badass thing to wear, by the way. Yeah, they look like they're some sort of like, um, uh, the oh my god, I'm blanking. I've never seen Naruto, so I can't help you here. They look like they're some sort of Uchiha uh, clan rejects or something like that. Like, yeah, especially with their glowing eyes. Okay, that's it yeah. for my Naruto references. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and they. Yeah, Dr. Mr. Hayes also makes a reference to how he doesn't want to have to mind wipe the neighbors again, which means that, yeah, that they absolutely, you know, maybe you wouldn't have to mind wipe them if you didn't have your terrible cosplay yeah, on all the time. I mean, probably. That's usually how these things go. And he tells both Nico and Alex to kneel, and then they do, like in a very, and, like, yeah. in a very, like, kneel, to do so. yeah, kneel before Zod type of situation. And, that's when Alex calls in the beta team, who happens to be just old lace. <laughs> yeah, crashing through a window, uh, claws out, and knocks Dr. Mr. Hayes down. And then Gert comes in right after. Old lace feeling very much in her element. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, time to smash. I can do this. <laughs> and Gert comes in behind her, and Alex is just like, hey, just keep them occupied. But he gets hit in the head Locked. with that axe. From the, an alternate like, future. Yeah, I, like the broad side of it, not the no, sharp not the sharp side. end. Yeah. And so Mr. York shows up and says that all of this fighting seems very unladylike, which is, I hate their like stupid steampunk shtick. I hate it so much. It's, yeah. It's extra bad. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, of course, we, we travel through time in altered dimensions through a like a steam train or something that's how they dress <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah absolutely and uh spoiler alert we will eventually see their time machine and it is just as bad <laughs> of course of course it is i wasn't um, expecting anything different yeah so you know so gert tries to sick old lace on them and uh, mr yorks calls her squirt again like he did in the hologram and says uh I see you found your inheritance and she tries to sick old lace on them but apparently old lace is incapable genetically of harming anyone in Gert's immediate family which is like I guess that makes more sense why they had a raptor in their basement now yeah and old lace is getting head pets yeah I mean you know she's equal opportunity head pets also when you have like obedience genetically bred into you Oof. Yeah. Oof. That's a big that's a whole can of worms, isn't it? A lot of ethical worries. <laughs> Quandaries <here. laughs> as we go. Yeah. Um but Nico kind of jumps forward at that point and gets cut on this weird axe 
but it actually summons the staff that was plunged into her chest. And, like, she literally, this is, like, such, like, a, like, side-scroller arcade move. Like, the staff of one comes out of her chest, and then she, like, thrusts her chest forward and uses it coming forward to knock Mr. Hayes out? Like... It's that's, it's it's very funny. That's some Street Fighter Five stuff right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Mrs. Yorks wants to know where she got her mother's staff from, and we see Nico just use it to say freeze. And also, Mrs. Yorks is she's got like a like satchel full of grenades on her utility belt. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't know about like, these people anymore. And she's just casually opening this pouch of grenades for emergencies, I guess. For emergencies only. But, oh. you know, that was all part of the plan, apparently, or at least they're going through with it as much as they can. And uh, we cut out to Chase and Carolina, who are out in the bushes by the pool. They're phase three. They, yes. Or Delta Squad, I believe. <laughs> um, So they're supposed to wait for the signal. And clearly all the other... Uh, people are wrapped up, so they're not going to signal. And then Chase gets the bright idea that he can use his x-ray goggles to look through the wall to find where Molly is, which, like, why didn't anyone think of this sooner? Because that seems... Right. Like, that's if you could... That's you could have done reconnaissance. Right? You could have done reconnaissance. Yeah, but, but no. There wasn't enough time, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe Alex didn't think, you know, that that would be useful at all. Mm. So Carolina's mom shows up then. And like wraps oh. Chase up in a bunch of rainbows. He looks very confused by these rainbows. Yeah. By this like <laughs> rainbow force cage. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. It's like the spell force cage. It's exactly what yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and so she also calls Carolina her angel. Yeah. A little creepy. Oh, yeah. A little bit. She's like 3000% creepy. Oh, yeah. Because, um, you know, she's, like, trying to justify not telling Carolina about what she was and that they protected her and gave her what no other child in Hollywood had, which was a normal childhood. I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but maybe it's definitely a dig at, like, everyone else. Like, no one else could be as good a yeah. mom as me. Yeah. And Carolina is just, like, really not having it. And she, like, wraps her bracelet around her fist. And punches her mom in the face, which is extremely satisfying. Yeah, yes. she says, I do know that it must do the same thing to you that it does to me. It must take away everything that makes you special, and which is really good, especially because her mom called her spineless yeah. earlier. So it's just like, fuck you, mom. <laughs> and her mom's out, it looks like, but not probably for long yeah, so out but not down for the count or whatever the phrase is I don't yeah know. Uh, and you know out. thank you um, and uh chase is like that was incredible <laughs> yeah he's still he's, he's got, still got like, stars in his Carolina. eyes yeah and so then nico shows up to save molly and with, Mo with molly's mom like of course doing the creepiest thing possible yeah, she's literally singing Hush Little Baby. Bad. Like, that's as if that isn't like the introduction to like every horror movie about children ever. Well, a witch does walk through the door. That's like, true. Right <laughs> <laughs> that's true. 
And in fact, she even says, Nico says, get your hands off of her witch. And uh, Dr. Mrs. Hayes says, isn't that the pot calling the cauldron black, Nico? I bet she thought that she was really smart coming up with that line. Big burn. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this whole conversation between them, you know, whether or not what they're doing is evil. And Dr. Mrs. Hayes says, as soon as you encounter something you don't understand, you label it as evil and start throwing chairs through Starbucks windows. So I I feel... I have to wonder if that is a reference to the OC. When, I don't know. When Marissa throws that pool t- <laughs> that pool chair into the pool and starts screaming at Julie. I think, no, because we were, I think this is pre-OC. This is 2003. I think the OC may have started in 2001. I can't okay. verify that. But regardless, it definitely sounds like how I feel when I see like random Twitter men in people's mentions about like stuff today so it's definitely still relevant it's like you're just calling it this because you don't understand it's like no i i definitely understand <laughs> it's just also bad <laughs> yeah like <laughs> yeah i mean nico sees right through that and molly actually wakes up with a nosebleed probably yeah. because all that psychic sedation isn't great or is it because something is truly wrong with her body as she says and her eyes start glowing Whoops. And so then everybody starts freaking out. Nico starts freaking out. Dr. Mrs. Hayes starts freaking out uh, because they had her tested for the X gene when she was a baby and it turned out negative. So they didn't think their daughter was a mutant. They just thought she was a normie, I guess. Mutants all the way, always. But then then Nico just says, shut up and hits her with the staff of one, which is actually really funny. Yeah. Uh, but Molly gets really upset because she doesn't know what's going on. No one explained anything to her. All she sees is her mom in this weird cosplay and Nico just hit her with a staff. Yeah. So obviously we end we end with Molly with her eyes glowing on her bed screaming, get away from my mom. Which yeah. understandable. I think I think Dr. Mrs. Hayes should have gotten a second opinion on that medical on test. On that X gene. I don't think <laughs> I think if we know anything, we know that people in the Marvel universe um aren't that great at detecting whether or not someone has the X gene. Yeah. And, and people that are set out to actually figure out if your child has the X gene aren't really people you need to be trusted be trusting because they are probably trying to find that out so to figure out how to stop it or squash it or remove it or whatever yeah which gets into a whole nother pit of like yeah weird bad mutant eugenics so yep yep indeed and plus like genetic testing wasn't even really a thing back then like i think we'd like just sequence the human genome so probably a lot of junk science too to be honest yeah like so, you know, maybe not the most reliable thing. I don't know. Maybe it's more, maybe they made that a more pressing scientific concern in the 616, but somehow I don't think that it's that no. much more advanced. No. Plus, it's just like, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things to be said about that. But yeah, but we're moving <laughs> on to issue number six. Yeah, issue number six, which um, does have a little bit of a lineup change in regards to the people working on the issue. So the writer is still Brian K. Vaughn. The pencils are still Adrian Alfona, 
the inks are done by Craig Young this time, and the colors are still Brian Reber. So a little bit change, some ink changes. If anything, I think maybe that I almost think that the lines are a little more defined in this issue. That looks a little yeah. bit different, and I think yeah. that's because of the inks. Yeah, the inks in this start to get more into like what I think of when I think of like Adrian Alfona's art. Um, it, I think I think they are like a little bit different and you know better maybe yeah the lines are a little bit thicker and a little bit more um there's a little bit more motion in them yeah i was gonna say like there there's more like variance in them yeah um because like before it felt very like cartoony kind of in terms of like everything's kind of like there's not yeah motion is a good way to yeah describe and, it. and these issues are very good like example of an artist like continually getting better every issue they work on yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is really interesting and cool to see. Yeah. Because this doesn't look like anything. Like, you can see kind of the hints of like Alfona's like signature style emerging, but like, we're not really there yet. Like, if you look at these first like six to seven issues and compare them with like Miss Marvel, which is his most recent work that I think a lot of people are familiar with, like, it's like night and day. And that's like, he was already a professional working artist at this point. Yeah. So. Um, we do have another painted cover by Joe Chen. That's uh, just Molly with a hat on and some like leaves in the background. It's really pretty, but it's not like dynamic in any way. No, it's just kind of there. So, this one covers. You know. This is when covers just used to be like, let's put something on the cover. Yeah, we got it. Good. Yeah. We're, well, go- we're and done. Especially with this, like they're trying to evoke that like manga style yeah. of like just having people there because it's not like even you know it's not like you have like a team lineup that you're having them be all dynamic and like fighting devil dinosaur in the background because like that doesn't make sense for runaways especially not right now so it's like what else can we do just have each of the characters have their own cover i guess so that's kind of like true what's happening true i really enjoy the all of the covers for runaways because of that like manga style yeah mostly because a lot of the time we don't have teen based comics that are really about the teen stuff as much yeah and it feels like they're referencing that in the art on the cover as well to be like hey this is kind of like a japanese slice of life but american yeah that's a good point too like it makes sense as of right now to have molly have this like sweet and innocent cover i guess because like her role is kind of like sweet and innocent right now like she's not we haven't gotten to see like Molly is, you know, maybe we'll know her in the future. Um, she's just, you know, her powers literally just emerged and she's been lied to. <laughs> so <laughs> and she's yelling as we cut back to the first page of the issue. Um, because Nico just hit her mom in the head. <laughs> and you no, know, as Nico tries to just see like say, you know, don't don't freak out. I know it's really scary, but you got to understand like what's going on. And then Kurt walks in with old lace. Yeah. And this is the first time she's seen her and Molly just screams, which I mean, I guess if your friend walked in with a giant dinosaur, you'd be a little scared. Yeah, too. But Molly points at old lace and says a dinosaur and Kurt points at Molly and says a mutant. <laughs> and then old lace has this expression on her face like who me a dinosaur i don't know who you're talking about <laughs> i'm just a, i'm just a yeah, cat but uh 
it's funny because that like it gives a go- an interesting like juxtaposition of reactions there um yeah but, you know they kind of have to explain quickly to molly what's going on here because alex walks in too so obviously something's up yeah i don't know how they immediately jump to the conclusion of me though because they learned carolina's an alien so and i don't think they know what the hazes are so like i mean also i I wonder how prevalent it is inside the marvel universe of like you have superpowers you must be a mutant oh yeah that's but also also I guess maybe because these people, because like the Avengers and like a lot of other Marvel superheroes aren't mutants. Like we know how they got their powers, I guess, or like the public at large knows how they got their powers. So I guess anybody that just manifests powers out of nowhere is going to be assumed to be a mutant, which they may not be wrong. Yeah. Which I mean, even Teddy like thought he was a mutant. And of course, like his mom kept him thinking that because it's like she didn't want him to know that he was an alien. So yeah. Yeah. It's just funny that they jump to that with Molly, but not with Carolina. True. It's probably just to keep the story moving along. Cause yeah. Another couple of pages of being like, I don't know, are my parents? And, you know. Yeah, yeah you're, you're definitely right. They're giving a concrete answer to a question that they didn't want to keep asking. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes that works as a good gag, but sometimes it doesn't. And I think definitely here it wouldn't have. Um, and then like just everybody shows up because Gert's here and then Alex walks in um, complaining about that he's going to have a bump a giant bump on his head from that axe and Molly's just like what are you all doing here and Gert says we're not here to hurt you and she's like you have a dinosaur and then Gert says yeah but she's friendly a friendly dinosaur like Barney and Molly says I hate Barney (laughs) yeah really which is really funny and Olace's expressions are good too I really like this whole conversation because up to this point, everyone's just been like, ignore Molly, ignore Molly. And like her parents have been the same way. And the teens mm-hmm. uh, really succumb to the same thing being like, oh, she's just a kid, whatever. Um, but this is the moment where it's like, okay, we have to start treating her like a real person and telling her everything and letting her make decisions. And uh, I like that Gert after trying to be like oh yeah this is like barney which is a thing little kids like eventually starts talking yeah. to her like plain yeah yeah because you know clearly trying to sugarcoat it isn't getting anywhere it either is. yeah because because even molly says like i'm not confused about the dinosaur part i'm confused about the hitting of my mom <laughs> in the face that's important and so Gert, like, kind of, I think, also has to change tracks midway because it's like, oh, yeah, maybe clearly she knows something's going on. We can't, like, hide it from her Yeah, anymore. and after Molly says they're lying, um, you know, Chase and Carolina walk through the door. Yeah, they do not believe that their parents killed a person. Chase just calls her little yeah, dude, it, it which is kind of cute, yeah, actually. Um, Chase is that guy that calls yeah. everybody bro or dude. Yeah, no, in fact, he explicitly calls Alex's brother, like, every time they meet up was the thing in, like, the very first issue, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Which is why Alex <laughs> hates him so much, which is totally understandable, because Chase yep. is that guy. He is that guy. <laughs> and so Alex looks at them, though, because he's like, wait, if Carolina and Chase are here, then who's... and?" No sooner does he say that than Carolina's mom blows a hole in the and wall. Basically says, Kill and basically, me when says, you have the chance. 
Yeah. Bad. And then she also, Gert tries to stop her or like threaten her. And she says, oh, do be quiet, you pudgy little troll woman. If any of you move, I'll pop Gertrude here as if she were one of her own blackheads. I'd rather not kill anyone, but this overweight nerdling was always the one that child the pride considered expendable. The rest of you, which is just Terrible. like, okay, have your evil supervillain speech. And also Absolutely. like, yeah, clearly Terrible. you're like. She's she's one of those people that is like the image theory or whatever, where it's like what you look like is the kind of person you are, which is ugh, yeah, such a very bad taste in my mouth. But I'm glad that um, Molly throws her out the window. Yes. Yeah, she says, "Just be nice," and shoves her out. And then, like, if you look at Molly's expression in the window as mrs dean flies forward and lands in the pool like she's very confused about what she just did too which is really good because it causes a huge splash in the pool and chase is like what the hulk and molly with all that expending of energy which is like the first time she's ever really used her powers got gets really sleepy and you know her bedroom's just a mess now and Carolina's actually worried about her mom because she's like, wait, she's at the bottom of that pool. She's going to drown. This is the same mom that five seconds ago said you should have killed yeah. me when you had the chance. And, you know, Nico says that she'll go fish her out and Alex is going to come come with her. Yeah, so they're basically doing cleanup and tells everybody else to get in the van. And if they're not back in three minutes, then they need yeah, to book it and out. Alex tries to ask where the staff came back from and Nico explains that when um Gert's dad like caught her on accident the staff just kind of emerged and she doesn't really know how to explain it. Yeah, she describes it as her soul <laughs> puking it up, which no, also doesn't sound pleasant at all. Um Alex is also trying to have a conversation with her about the kiss which goes a little worse <laughs> because Nico agrees with him and so he's like oh good we can talk and then she's like no I agree that it's not the right time <sighs> which is like yeah maybe maybe the best time to talk about the fact that you just kissed is not when there's a alien woman lying at the bottom of the pool that you're supposed yeah, to fish out emerges from the pool screaming at you vermin yeah, but not before Alex sees that there's a ring on her hand, uh, which m might be the Dakota ring that they talked about. I just, the Dakota ring is such a, like, a silly, like, plot MacGuffin. True. Yeah. But, yeah, she, as they, like, pull her out to get the ring, then she, she emerges, you know, jumps forward. Only for, yes. only um, to basically say that we brought you into this world, we can take you out again. And then Alex says, you know, Alex yeah, finishes, finishes it by hitting her. her in the head with the staff again, which I think is just really funny when they use the staff like that. I don't know if it's just me or what. Yeah, exactly. as like a melee weapon. It's like in D&D &D when like you, your healer or whatever can technically like use their staff to hit people. And it's, like, the one time that they have to, or, like, I got this dagger from my, like, character sheet, and I don't know what to do with it. And it's, like, oh, wait, I can use <laughs> I can't, this. It's not very good, but I can still use it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the last resort. Um, So they should just put her back in the pool, I mean, in she's, my opinion. I mean, she is but... back in the pool. She just is floating <laughs> on top of the pool now. Yeah. 
she's not going to drown no. even if she can or can't yeah who knows who knows exactly who knows what Exa her density exactly. is exactly or even if she alien. could drown so that's you know yeah mm -hmm. all, all kinds of unknowns um it is officially morning now though it's 8 42 a.m so they've officially been up all night um and they're driving around downtown la in this white panel van with fuzzy red dice on the rearview mirror and alex is like trying to decode the the thing with the decoder ring and i wanna i wanna say something that's a runaway spoiler but i'll wait till like the end of the episode okay to say it so we but can get through I, that issue. I know molly's saying how she's got to go to school and gert's telling her like no <laughs> basically <laughs> like they're, they're going on a field trip yeah like you don't have to worry about permission slips ever again and chase is also calling carolina gorgeous which stop <gasps> stop chase. doing that chase just stop it's buddy nico chase. nico wasn't able to give him the signal of it's not the time like alex needed and he's just, he's wild and free right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think Carolina, like, it's its not even, like, no, registering no. with She's her She's too concerned either. about other things. Yeah. But Alex realizes that his phone is ringing and it's his dad's ringtone. Because, of course, he's the guy that assigns everyone else their, or everyone their, like, own discreet ringtone. And Mr. Wilder is not happy and says that he has definitely violated his curfew. And to which Alex replies that they're going to tell the cops everything. They, ha they can put them away for good, except there's a news broadcast. That basically states that there was a murder and someone was stabbed and Alex did it. Alex done it. They found the person on Alex's bed and that they have also the same gang, quote unquote, has also kidnapped Molly. And... So we do learn it's weird that they give the person that was killed a name now because they didn't before, uh, which is different than the TV show. We learned no, that her it name is. is Destiny. No, it's the same person. Yeah. Well, right. No, no, no. But it's in the TV show. They were like Destiny, like from the yes. very beginning. Whereas here she was like nameless, like nobody cared about her name. And now we're learning that her name is Destiny Gonzalez, which yes. is the same as the TV show. Just the timing is different. But like before she was just a nameless, like streetwalker i think is what they called her that's or what they other... said that is certainly what they said yeah so in alex's bedroom uh in amongst all the music posters and the they've staged a crime scene and everything are yeah and they've got uh the lieutenant is there and they've got like a doctor in a corner and like i'm scene photographer that presumably they've oh, yeah. all paid off to be there because all of the parents are also all there in their terrible cosplay um except the wilders because they just wear like business suits and alex's dad says this whole city belongs to the pride yeah. and the one thing i don't like about this is how much of a background role mrs wilder has like she doesn't do anything except uh ask alex pretty please to come home which is kind of like toothless at this point also, she disassociates herself from the pride. She says, the pride, yeah. these men and women, yeah, she... they will hunt you down. Rather than being like, we will hunt you down. Yeah. I do like how in the show she has like a much more active role. And like, she's fully like, because like, she's arguably like the leader in a lot of ways in the show. Yeah. Whereas here, and like, 
like she and Mr. Wilder have like a very equal relationship, whereas in the comic, like we basically see nothing of her. She's like in the background, but that's it. And like has that one conversation with Alex where it's like, you know, like your dad's really tough on you, but he really loves you. And I think that's like the only time that we really hear from her, which, you know, is not 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 super great. I, I do think the show does better on that. Yeah, I, that I agree. I agree. But, you know, regardless, Alex hangs up on her and tells the rest of the, every, everybody that, you know, the pride owns everything. And, you know, <laughs> Chase, you know, says the only thing we have left to do is fall off the face of the he's earth. Looking very, he's got this super shit eating grin on right now. <laughs> he's like, finally, I get to do my plan. Nobody oh else's God. plan worked. His weirdo stuff finally <laughs> yeah. comes in handy. <laughs> exactly. His doomsday prepper stuff finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Chase is living his best life right now. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Mrs. Hayes and Dr. Mr. Hayes are very much not, though, because they are literally seeing red or, well, pink because of their glowy eyes about the kids having Molly. And she's also very mad that Nico struck her. <laughs> Everyone's just really mad about how their kids betrayed them. Like, come on, yeah. really? But then Carolina's mom is says that she's not so sure that all of them have because she has a note in her hand. And this note reads thusly. Mom and dad, I love you. And I know you have reasons for doing what you did. Don't worry. I'll always be loyal to you. But we don't know who it's from because it's not signed. Yeah, which... I feel like one of them would be able to say, like, this is my kid's handwriting <laughs> at some point. Yeah. So it's a little, like, weird, but we don't get that. What we do get is the kids have pulled up in front of a cave, and Alex is just like, he's about done <laughs> with Chase. And it's just like, what? Are you nuts? Is what he says. <laughs> And Alex says, this amazing hiding spot you've been bragging about is a cave. And Kurt says, holy stupid ideas, Batman. Yeah. And Nico says, isn't this the cave that they shot Batman at? And Chase is like, no, that's the next cave down. This one, nobody knows about. <laughs> and there's a radiation sign in front. And Carolina's like, yeah, well, of course nobody comes here because there's a, you know, it's hazardous. And Chase is like, I just got that off eBay to scare people. <laughs> Yeah, Chase is, yeah, Chase is pretty pretty good in the last part of this issue, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, we actually find out that all of, you know, maybe maybe there's actually something to this whole, like, doomsday prepper mentality he has after all. So they go in this dark cave, and he says, this isn't even the best part, and it's totally pitch black in there. And they realize, remember then, that Carolina is glowy, and they're in this collapsed mansion that Chase calls the hostel. Alex is like, more like the hostile. Because <laughs> it is a mess. Yeah, it's it's an absolute disaster. Uh, yeah. And Chase, of course, read about this in a book he stole from his dad before his dad had a chance to read it and camped it out. Yeah, and Nico comments that it doesn't look very stable down here. Yeah, Old Lace is super unimpressed by all of this. Yes. And it's the first time we hear uh, Gert call the her dinosaur old lace yeah and she wants to be known as arsenic after the famous play arsenic and old lace and because she says i don't want to be gertrude anymore because that's the name they gave me which i mean gertrude is kind of a awkward name so i can definitely understand not being into it as a name true 
not something you'd name your kid nowadays. Also, Carolina's codename is bad. What, Lucy in the Sky? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I don't think she had an idea, it's like, what's the best thing I can come up with in the next five seconds? I guess. <laughs> yeah, it really was a a uh, off-the-cuff decision. It's not the greatest yeah. name. I don't think Carolina works that well off the cuff either. No, and Nico's uh, says, well, my aim handle is Sister Grim. I guess that works. <laughs> yeah, no. I think her aim handle is actually XX, Sister Grim XX. And she definitely has like, you know how you could do your aim profile? Like she has the black background and red text with <laughs> yep. it. Yep, yep, you're right. Like an AFI quote or something like that. And she also looks embarrassed to admit that her aim handle is Sister Grim. Would, okay, would, wouldn't you be too? Then Chase has got the best nickname. Neo. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. And my new name is Neo. <laughs> you can't be Neo Chase, Carolina says. Sorry, that was really good. And she says that he has to be something original. And then he definitely calls her out on just picking a line from a song and is like that's not original yeah oh geez <laughs> and then gert just sighs and says his name should be talk back and molly agrees that it's a really good name and then, uh chase calls molly bruiser but she wanted to be princess powerful which is great yeah it'll be like just as a fyi they can never remember which code name molly actually chose to go by so like <laughs> she just has she's both bruiser and princess powerful from now on and it's kind of it's great. kind of great yeah i was gonna say alex though he doesn't want a code name because he wants to redeem his name which is noble and admirable i think yeah and we we end without really a cliffhanger this time which is kind of amazing but not before chase says that john walsh is probably gunning for them who i had to google is was the host of America's Most Wanted? Is the host? I don't know. Is that still on? Was. That show's not on anymore. Okay, I didn't think so. Staple of the 90s, that show's not on anymore. Yeah. I like the, the last page where we get all of the characters looking at us for just the reason of being able to draw this amazing page. That's very good. And they're finally a little organized and they have like some uh, confidence and identity now. Yeah, it's funny that I said like, it doesn't make sense for them to how be have like a ensemble cover with like action poses, but like that's essentially what this is. Like in another book, this would be the cover with them all like doing a cool, somewhat awkward pose, like not quite sure if they're there yet. Yeah. And, you know, Alex says that he doesn't want to be an adult because if that means turning into the people that raised them, then he hopes that he dies before he gets old. Oh. And like, so I know we've been talking about the show a lot, which not everyone might be familiar with, but I think it is interesting. Like, I was thinking about this last night after I read this. It kind of sucks that they took the tooth, the teeth out of the show a little bit, because I do think like, because the main thrust of this book is like not becoming the sins of like not repeating the sins of the past and like doing things better than your parents. And I think that's, like, still a very good theme, you know, and very, like, timely today. But it's almost like they didn't want adults watching the show to get, like, upset that it was, like, being so anti-adult. Yeah. The parents are, like, much nicer. They have some, they have some interesting plots. Yeah, yeah, they do. It's just, like, 
it's and you know i've said a lot that you know an adaptation will change but like the thrust of this is really like parents are you know not great or you know like we can do better but like that's not really like they never have that that drive in the show which is kind of unfortunate like i think that almost would like resonate more now than it maybe even would in 2003 like in you know a time where we're seeing you know in a lot of ways like teens leading like activism like both in person and online but you know maybe it would have hit too close to home in like 2017 i don't know maybe it was just something i was thinking about because like the book definitely like drives that home like over and over and over again like the parents are like super villains as like uh almost like a cipher for like being you know having shitty beliefs and stuff but you know it definitely still still feels that way like it's just like a cipher for you know all the terrible things that yeah some parents do believe or do there could have definitely been some more urgency in the show and it might have been by kicking it up a notch with the parents and and how they were but i don't know yeah i do have just next 15 seconds if you haven't watched or maybe a little bit more than that spoiler alert it was a lot more if you haven't watched uh runaways the show just maybe like skip ahead by a little bit because i am gonna get into some like mid-season spoilers skip to one hour 31 minutes 25 seconds to avoid spoilers there is like a really interesting thing i think i know you're talking about dc about like how do you show alex but the thing that made it really interesting and made the like technology hacker element work for me is rather than having the book and the decoder ring, which is such a like comics book way of doing things. Yeah. They had him like hacking that encrypted video, which I think works way better in terms of Alex's character and also like helps it feel more cohesive. And I really, really like it. And I just wanted to like that was a connection that I made as I was reading through that. So I wanted to know what you all thought about that. Well, what I like about it is along the lines of what you said, um, instead of just being like, I am a genius from the beginning and like in the comic, it's very much like Alex has all the answers and he at least is going to be the first one to throw out his plan. Um, they slowly ramp it up in the show by being like, okay, well, he has some ability here. And then what decisions does he make based off of what he can do? And then that starts to lead into more leadership spaces without overshadowing everybody else. Um, that's what I definitely like about what they're doing with the show. Um, what about you, Charlie? I I think that it it just gives him like because in the show, Alex is like he's got a lot of he's got a lot of things he's not telling people. And I think the fact that they like kind of put in it like nico had a sister and you know that's the whole thing that's like sparked all of this to an extent yeah and that he and nico's sister were really close yeah i think that keeping like that air of mystery about like what alex does and doesn't know and whether or not he's going like like doing these like doing the things at the computer that obviously link back to something else especially with like nico asking oh how did you know what my mom's password was like all of that stuff um i think it really ties in well with like how they're positioning his character in the show um 
I think, like I said, there could be like, he's still the one that's got the most urgency. I think he's still the one that says, no, we have to do this. Like, no, this is what we have to do. Like, even when everybody else is is being like, I don't know. My parents are kind of nice right now. Yeah. I mean, because he's also at this point, the one that's seen probably like the most shit. Oh, yeah. Because he, you know, had the whole thing with his dad. And it's like everyone else is like, yeah, they killed someone. But he's like, yeah, but also like I had this horrible thing happen with my dad and like I shot a guy. And I think it's really interesting having him have an arc of like not being the know-it-all, but like finding himself because he's almost like rather than being like a strategic mastermind, he's like the master of secrets in the show, which is also really interesting, I think. That's a cool way of putting it. Because like it's all about what information he has versus what he shares with everyone else. Yeah. And like he because he has the power to have all the answers and like he could make it. So none of the other characters could never could ever know anything or they he could tell them a lie. And like clearly Nuko calls him out on like the password thing, which was a nice callback to the book. Yeah, I definitely I like that part about his character. And I think it works for the show. Like they couldn't have done. I think not only like not having like a relevant equivalent, like I just think it wouldn't have worked well in the show for him to be like, you go here, you go here, because that's not like what they're doing also. So, yeah, it would take out the the main focus of being able to explore their parents as human beings versus actually human beings versus parents versus villains. Yeah. Yeah. Like they aren't just straight up monsters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I don't think you can do. It's hard. It's hard to do that. It's not hard to do that. Actually, it's very easy to make someone just straight up like this is a villain. Like, this is a bad person that you need to root against at all times. Like, that's boring, right? Yeah. Maybe. I think it's definitely more interesting to have flawed people that are, like, doing the wrong things for the right reasons. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. At least for TV show. Because, like, then you can at least somewhat empathize with them. For anything. You never want, like, this is 100% evil unless you're depicting something that you need to make sure people know is 100% not what you need. Like, not good or great. Like, we don't need to be showing Nazis in shades of gray. Yeah. We need to know how, who those people are and, you know, why, you know, what, what's going on there. Like, that's not the kind of thing you, you use shades of gray with, but like for people like, you know, the, the parents in the show and, um, you know, more recently, like in Black Panther, like you need that. That's, that's how you flesh a character out, right? Yeah, I was so, straight up thinking about Eric Killmonger the entire time you were saying that. <laughs> I still haven't been able to make it out to see that movie. I'm going to try maybe this weekend. I'm just going to say, without any spoilers, in this context, it's there's Nazis and then there's Eric Killmonger. <laughs> there are villains that you just need to paint as villains and then there's Eric Killmonger. <laughs> he, made some valid, he made some valid points. Yeah. Yeah, But yeah, no, it's, and I think too, it's like, there's the conflict of this is now turning into more like traditionally superhero-y stuff where like we have to fight and get away. Because like the main thrust of the book is like getting them away. Whereas like the show is like making that more difficult in a way that it isn't like, I do wish they'd had a little bit more teeth, but it's showing that like. Like, what do you do when someone is clearly doing something bad, but might have some redeeming qualities? Like, that's, I think, a question that I guess, yeah, it's a question that a lot of people grapple with, like, today. 
is like if someone does, you know, like where do we draw that line? And especially when someone's like related to you or is someone that you really like, like where do you draw that line? Like is yeah. killing someone bad? Probably, but <laughs> is like, you know, blackmailing someone bad to protect you? Um, is it? You know, yeah. like that's a question you have to answer yeah, for yourself. Yeah, we, we get into those um those shades, like those shades of morality. Right, because yeah. not everyone's black and white, and you know it's boring when they are. So, yeah, but that's the the end of spoiler talk. Yeah, no more you can come back to no us now. Spoilers. Um, I just like I don't want to, you know, if people haven't seen it, I don't want to just be like lay into it. Yeah, I but know. also I think it's relevant to talk about because you know it's funny that Charlie, like Charlie and I, have not actually finished the season yet. We're about like probably like two thirds of the way there. Yeah, so we're like literally unintentionally reading runaways alongside where it would be in the book or it, you know watching which is an interesting very very interesting thing for me to do yeah um having not read this at all so yeah but that brings us to well i do want um because you know obviously you and i are our friends dc yeah first on twitter <laughs> and then uh you know in various discords and i really admire your work and you're working on i know we talked a little bit about our projects and stuff at the beginning of the episode but you're working on one that has a very obvious overlap with comics and role-playing games yes so do you want to talk about that a little bit so i'm working on a blades in the dark hack uh called mutants in the night which it was supposed to be the working title, but I'm liking it more and more. The more it's I really good, it I'll be honest. I like it, yeah. And for those of you who don't know Blades of the Dark, it's a game that's focused on being like a rogue, and you're supposed to go out and go on these these scores where you make you make coin and you fight other rival gangs and avoid the police and do all that kind of cool stuff. Heavily based on Dishonored the video game yeah very very much dishonored and um i'm making this narrative design to kind of replace that where uh it's heavily inspired by x-men because i just came to the conclusion that what i wanted to design mutants are the perfect uh vehicle for that and it's about living in a world where all of a sudden people just uh realize their mutation i should say and now we live in this world where um, I'm making these direct parallels to uh, a lot of laws or social structures that keep a lot of marginalized people down. So the mutants, uh, there's like a mutant curfew and they have uh, work and, and uh, education passes to like go into these zones where regular humans are and your group is a bunch of mutants who live in a mutant safe zone where you can be out after 9 p.m. and live your life. But um, life is very rough as a mutant and mutants in the night. And uh, it's your job to go out into the world and try and do better for mutants because uh, some mutants have powers and you are one of those mutants and you decide what to do with it. So that's what I'm working on. I'm having a lot of fun working on it. <laughs> yeah, no, mutants are um, very near and dear to my heart. Um, I love the X Men a whole lot, and it's um, it's always good to it's good to see where the parallels are with them. But it's also good to make sure that 
they are like functioning as like mutants are functioning not as the you know what do i want to say like a direct parallel not as a direct parallel but also like including like including so a lot of a lot of times people are like well mutants are basically an analogy for this or these type of people or this and like like when people say that charles xavier and (laughs) magneto are just martin luther king jr and malcolm x it's like (laughs) yeah i hate that it is not true very and it's a very like misinformed connection in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, because your it, your story about mutants, like not yours directly, DC, but like any story about mutants, should include like not it, not putting mutants in place of marginalized people, like but including them. So like your X Men story should have a whole bunch of type of people in it, like people of color, you know, people that are gay, you know, that should be at the core. Like the mutant metaphor is not a replacement for diversity. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of the reason that I chose mutants is because I, I specifically wanted to, um, cause in the, the tabletop sphere is just largely white and, uh, that's cool, but there are a lot of reasons that, um, well, there's this myth that there just aren't a lot of people of color who play tabletop RPGs, and it's just it's just not true. Um, I've been playing for like 10 years, and I've met a lot of other people of color who played. So it's just that we prefer to play at home or don't go to conventions as much or don't go to local shops for the same reasons that a lot of other people uh, don't. So I'm creating a game that's like, hey, you can fit there. Um, and I really wanted to have like a black experience involved, but I didn't want it to lose intersectionality. So yeah. I was like, yo, mutants, the, that's what they're, that's what they're that's there what for. They're that's for. Yeah. yeah. That's why yeah. they exist. Like everyone can find themselves in the story of being a mutant, regardless of any background. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. It's kind of like, um. There's another really good tabletop game that might not be for everyone, but it's really well designed. So if you're into that at all, I highly suggest reading it. Uh, Monster Hearts and Monster Hearts 2 by Avery Alder is like, hey, what if the issues that like queer teens deal with is, you know, through the lens of being a monster because you have this body that you may or may not understand and it does weird and sometimes bad things and sometimes you can't control it. So you know like giving baking in those like mechanical things but giving people like a way to abstract the experience i think can be really important yeah it absolutely it absolutely is and you know like you said dc a lot of you know the myth about you know people of color not playing uh, like tabletop rpgs or reading comics for that matter that i mean it's the same thing right it's you know it's who feels comfortable going to the shop and buying comics not not a lot of people that aren't white or or male let's just say that and like like it's a issue of location too so i live in like dc there's like a lot of the big shops like aren't that easy to get to by like public transit because that's really expensive to maintain a business like let's be honest so like accessibility of shops is also like I think a big thing because you know the people that are running them don't have a lot of money but also like like who's going to be your clientele you know yeah like not everybody has a car not everybody can you know drive miles and miles and put down like 50 dollars and get a box like comics is comics is broken 
Yeah. Comics, yeah. comics is broken. Let's just say that. DC is DC is probably a really good um example of that with infrastructure and how that whole city is arranged. So bad. Not great. It's, it's so bad. Too. Um you brought up um Avery earlier. I I don't know when she's going to announce versus when this is coming out, but um she's actually uh my mentor and she's helping me learn game design stuff oh and congratulations Yay. that's really awesome a lot of the reason that um i've formulated everything the way i have has been inspired by her heavily um i absolutely uh, absolutely adore that woman very very much uh, <laughs> she's teaching me a ton of good stuff and uh her games are like basically what i want to make um yeah so i'm very very fortunate of that and uh if People are like, oh, Mutants of the Night, that seems cool. Then go play Monster Hearts uh, and also Blades in the Dark because they're both very, very good yeah, games. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There are other role-playing games other than D&D, people. Need to yes. go. It's weird. It's weird. It's crazy. And sometimes they're easier to understand. <laughs> yeah, we'll be playing Masks uh, just with a couple yeah. folks that listen to the podcast next week. And I'm super psyched to I'm run that game. About it. Charlie's <laughs> playing Shatterstar because, of course. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm playing Shatterstar in two like role playing games in the next like couple weeks. I'm living my best life. Yes. So let your, Chase let your dreams be memes. Yeah. I'm living my best life like Chase. So, you know, that's <laughs> I'm, I'm chasing my bliss, as it were. Oh, God. That's a really bad pun. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to be it for us because we've already run really long. Yeah, but, but this has been such a pleasure. Thank you much so much for joining us, DC. Where can people find you? We gotta do. A, yeah, where can people find you? Oh, um, you can find me on Twitter at Bukowski on Ice. That's B U K O W S K I O N I C E. <laughs> um, I am always tweeting. I very much like talking about all of my thoughts and the things that influence my design ideas on Twitter. So that's the best place to be. Um, and soon I'm going to have a show on Twitch where I'll be streaming D and D, but heavily altered for fun. At twitch.tv slash archivers RPG. Really exciting. And we'll be going in a week from today i think awesome yeah awesome it's gonna be fun yay yeah that's where so we, exciting where can people find you mikey uh they can find me on twitter at quantum dot dot where i do the same thing uh a lot which is talking about game design and ideas and stuff um i've also uh been streaming we started streaming a game called eidolon which is like apparently about mutants i didn't know anything going in but then i like am going through the game and i'm like oh it's this pretty forest you know oh mount olympia that's really cool like uh, washington pacific northwest mutants suddenly like mm -hmm. mutants versus normies versus like we don't know what to think about these people with powers and i'm like oh my god <laughs> hoisted myself hoisted yourself, yeah. unknowingly unwittingly um but it's a really cool game it's like a like post-apocalypse like exploring what happened to this uh society through like you know like text logs and also just like world building stuff uh so that's pretty cool i'm streaming that wednesday evenings um 8 p.m to 11 p.m est 
uh, if my uh, computer doesn't explode again. I had some technical difficulties last week, but It'll hopefully those are resolved. That'll be fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And where can people find you, Charlie? Well, I'll talk about us first. You can find <laughs> us, Mikey and I, on the internet. <laughs> and Everett. And, and, and Everett, Everett, our editor. Everett, yes. You can find us at Young Ones Cast on Twitter, where we talk about episode scheduling. That's where episodes go up if you're looking for them, um, which also links back to Young Ones Cast uh dot com which is where Everett posts his articles every week and uh they're awesome and you should all read them and follow our account because it's good and you can tweet about tweet and talk to us there thank you please yeah. and thank and you also if you would like to um leave a review and or a rating on either iTunes or wherever your podcasts are collected whether that's Stitcher or Google Play however you want to do that if you'd like to leave us a nice review that helps out quite a bit and finally, <laughs> you can find me uh, on Twitter at Genetic Ghost, where I have been posting and will continue probably to post random panels of comics for the, that I've been reading over the weekend. Um, I took some really great screenshots, but also where I just kind of jabber on about life and Shatterstar. I want that picture of Shatterstar on a bed of roses that you promised I me. I gotta find it. It's from I need it's it. from the onslaught stuff that was happening in the nineties. So. Um, I'll get it for you. I just got to find it and not get sucked into doing things. Yeah. For those that missed it, uh, Everett's been running a bunch of great articles recently. Um, if you want to know more about his thoughts on Alex Wilder, he did a piece um, as part of his Black History Month series, which is really great. Um, so definitely go check that out. That article was really good. Yeah, it was. It was really glad. good. I'm glad you think it so. Was, I was like, yo, wait a second. This guy's thinking like... No spoilers in the in the podcast, but he's really thinking at a level of let's really get into this character from uh, multiple directions rather than thinking along a linear track that most people would after finishing the comic. So it was very enjoyable. Yeah, it was definitely helpful to me, like going back to the comic after, you know, having read it like a long, long time ago and like thinking about Alex a different way. It really helped, I think, my understanding of the character, too, like and what he's coming from and where he's about. Uh, I got those backwards. Yeah, I know what you meant. <laughs> you're you're good. Um, but thank you, everybody. Um, thank you again, DC, for joining us. And we'll be back next week with some more runaways. Come on, so I could, we can see how more awful these parents are. Which yeah. Yeah. But maybe maybe the kids will take on their parents and everything will be fine. And yeah, they'll okay. live happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> That's a world that is not this one. That is a alternate universe. But other than that, bye everybody. Bye. Yeah, thank you so much. Bye everyone. Bye.